Welcome to the Powercast with Charlie Johnson. I'm one of the world's leading fitness and transformation coaches. I'm going to be providing you with the tools to build your ultimate body and mind. So, absolute pleasure today to have uh, Holly Howells on the podcast. So, so some exciting news. Uh, she's now joined the CGO coaching team as the head female trainer. Um, so, Holly, for anyone who doesn't know, is a WBFF pro, competed several times, uh, elite level trainer. Uh, phenomenal physique and very, very uh, appreciative to have her on board because I know she's going to add a huge amount of value to all of our clients. So uh, thank you very much, Holly, for firstly joining CJ Coaching and also for jumping on the podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Um, so for anyone who doesn't know about you, Holly, if we have a brief run through about like yourself, how you first got into fitness uh, and obviously your competing career. So I... I've been in the fitness industry, I think, for five years now. Um, I started competing four years ago, and I think I've done eight total competitions. I started with UK BFF um, Federation, I think when I was, must have been like 18, 19. What Um, led you to doing that first? Like, what what was the trigger point? Like, I want to go do this. I think... It was my best friend, Chloe. We kind of made a pat that we would do one together and then do a prep together. And it was kind of something that was meant to be like fun and just like a new challenge for us both. And then we both got hooked and she sort of does it now to this day as well. What, how was your first experience competing? Um, so nervous. I, don't, I think I've never been that nervous before in my life. It was fun though. I think you, I learned so much about myself and that first competition but yeah it was just a really good challenge did you find the first time you went on stage it was like a like an adrenaline rush though yeah i my legs were so shaky they got better now actually now i go on stage and i'm not like that bad but i'm i remember i think my mum was saying that she could see my legs shaking from the audience it's um i like the first thing i found when i first time i competed was like once you've done that once, you no longer really give a shit what anyone thinks of you because once you've pretty much stood in front of like a thousand people who don't know who they are and wearing not a lot, then you can't really put yourself out there much more than that. So in terms of giving you self-confidence, it's quite a, a good tool in that respect alone. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, the second time round was way easier, I think. I think because you know what to expect as well. Like you know to expect those kind of nerves. You know how to like handle them a bit better after that first one. And um, what, what would you say... Like where did you go from there? So obviously you went from the UK BFF bikini, I presume? Yeah. And then I actually did another one later that year with UK BFF. And then I kind of realized that my body shape wasn't what they were looking for in bikini. And then I got asked to do a pure elite one like the following week. And that is where I won my first pro card. I think it was like pure elite like championships or something. Um, that's been 2015. Okay. And then from there, where did you go into that? And then was it WBFF the year after that? Or did you take any time out? Yeah, so I had a year off and then I did Pure Elite World Championships again, like the following year. And then a week after that, I got into WBFF and I won my pro card with them November 2016. Was that your first show? That was my first WBFF one, yeah. And uh, how did you feel after winning your pro card then? Oh, just, I don't know. I think it was the best feeling. It was so good. I think because when you put that much hard work into it, when it starts 
starts to kind of pay off. It's just such a good feeling. And what would you say is like for you was the biggest thing you learned from competing or that you took from it, like physically or mentally or both? It sounds really cringe, but like if you put your mind to it, you can actually do it. I think there's so preps like never smooth sailing, like you never have a day where everything goes right on prep. Like it's so up and down. So I think knowing that if you really, really want something, you can go and achieve it. And I think that's the same as like life in general. Though. Like I think like a lot of the clients like we work with, they sometimes initially think that they have to live like a Spartan lifestyle where it's a perfect environment with everything. Whereas in reality, like everyone has a life and shit goes wrong and you just have to like deal with stuff and work around injuries or life problems, work problems, whatever it might be. You just have to manage those scenarios and then find the best way to overcome them essentially. Yeah, definitely. That's 100%. And I think um, a lot of people are too easy maybe to give up at the starting point, if that makes sense. Like they see, like, I don't know, they have like a minor bump in the road and they're like, oh, I don't want to do this now. I give up. Yeah. I even had a few of those on prep. Like for like a day, I would like, I'm not doing it. I'm over it. Can't do it. And then my coach would really... Had a diva moment. Yeah. <laughs> And then, yeah, my coach would ring me and be like, what are you doing? Like, come on. And again, I think obviously what you mentioned there was interesting. Like, obviously, you had a diva moment and then your coach pulled you out on it. And then that reaffirms to me, like, the importance of accountability and why it's important to have a coach, whether you're competing or not. Um, Because how important did you find accountability for you during that process? Oh, so important. I would have, I don't think I would have done it if I didn't have someone to be accountable to. Um, I think it's so important and just like kind of to keep you sane, like, especially on prep, like they have this thing they call prep brain. <laughs> like you start thinking you're, I don't know, not lean when you actually are, or I don't know. Um, so I think it's someone to even just talk you through that and to be like, look, you know, you're fine. You're looking great. Like just someone to back you through it. It's definitely really important. I think it's uh, one of those things you can just end up, like mind fucking yourself a little bit. And I think if you're even as an experienced trainer or a coach yourself, often when you, if you prep yourself for something like a photo shoot or a show, like I'm a bad culprit of it. I would push myself too hard and underfeed myself thinking that you need to work harder. You have to work harder, like eat less, train harder. Like, and you end mm-hmm. up like digging a hole so deep that you can't get yourself out of it. You actually end up a lot worse off for it, like physically. And you also feel pretty terrible for it as well. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, that's so true. I've like I've done that before for a photo shoot. And getting <laughs> worse for it because even though you're putting way way more work in and you're under eating, like I've looked for me, I looked way worse for it. Yeah, I'm saying that's um an interesting take home point and like why I'm a big advocate of like feeding people to perform in the gym to build their physique rather than starving weight off people, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's so true. Um, which I think is like just slashing calories, increasing cardio is like the low hanging fruit, which I think most people use as like the go-to to elicit like a body composition change essentially. I've done that with one of my preps and it just, yeah. One, you feel so bad for it. And two, yeah, you just, you don't look as great. And that's one of the things like you're like more so with guys as well, like when you're super flat, so like your muscles are depleted of carbohydrates and glycogen, you actually look worse because your muscles are less full when it pushes hard against the skin. So therefore you actually look like softer and fatter than you actually are if you actually had more carbohydrates. So 
Um, don't be afraid of carbs is like, I think it was quite a big take home point. Yeah. I'm always saying that to my friends, like you can eat carbs. Trust me. They're fine. <laughs> they're not going to make you fat. Now, like, as a woman in the, in the fitness world, is that something, what's the biggest misconception you think you probably see? Is it that carbs equal, like make you fat? Do you think that's probably one of them? Yeah. A hundred percent. Cause even my friends now, they don't even, some of them won't listen to me and like, we'll go out and they'll be like, Oh no, I can't have that. It's too many carbs. And, but then they'll have like loads of avocado and all those things. It's obviously great for you, but I'm like, the calories are probably higher than if you ate like a bit of bread or whatever. So yeah, definitely that carbs are bad for you. Yes. That's a huge misconception. Now, obviously like you're very experienced with your training, having competed for uh, obviously so many shows how would you say that's changed since you began uh, training to where you're at now? Like, what does a typical training look like for you at the moment? Well, my training has changed so much. So I know you're doing a lot of CrossFit at the moment. Yeah, I, I tend to get hooked to things. Like anything that's competitive, I kind of get hooked to it. Um, so, yeah, now I started doing CrossFit only because it was a sort of change. I think bodybuilding can get quite repetitive sometimes. Um, so I kind of did that for a change. Um, but now I think I actually train less now, but harder than at the beginning. I used to train like all the time and I like my sessions weren't that great because I was training all the time. I wasn't recovering. Um, whereas now like I train less throughout the week, but my sessions are really, really intense and like only for an hour, but I get such a better workout from that. And then, you know, battering my body all the time going through the motions yeah so I think that's like the biggest thing for me that's changed and that took me a while to kind of realize as well when, when do you think the penny dropped with that I think maybe only like a year ago to be honest maybe two years ago now um and everyone like my coach at the time always told me and then you just I don't know just didn't listen and now like I do look way better for it because I'm recovering and I'm feeling so much better and my sleep's so much better and everything else kind of follows. Nice, that's good. And in terms of your current, like your, the best training split, say for when you were competing, how would you split that up back in the day then when, when you were more in like your normal training split rather than the CrossFit world? How would, what would a typical week look for you for anyone who's uh, who wants some like inspiration of how to train like a WBFF pro? So my split was... Three lower body sessions a week, um, two were hamstring and glute focused and one was quad. Um, and then towards the end, my for bikini, my upper body actually got a bit too big. So I was only training upper body once a week. And for cardio was quite minimal for my last comp. Um, I was only doing like 15 minutes post my leg sessions on the Stairmaster. Um, and then just steps. I really concentrated on steps. My last prep getting, I think I was doing like 15K a day. But would yeah. You, would you just go out and go for a walk to get those? Yeah, I have a dog. So I would walk her in the morning and then whenever I could really, I was just getting up and walking around. <laughs> Easy peasy. I think that's one of the things that people don't take into account. Like people moaning they can't get to the gym or like if you go outside and walk, that's like more exercise on its own. I think a lot of people don't take that into account sometimes. Yeah, definitely. Essentially if you're trying to lose body fat. Yeah, definitely. And that's what I keep saying to like my mum and stuff like that. Like people that 
the gym isn't actually for everyone. Like some people really don't like it. So like, why not just go on a walk or just anything that's going to kind of be a bit of exercise that you're going to burn some calories. Just being active. And I think um, yeah. that's, that's an interesting point. I think you made the gym isn't for everyone. I think when you think about it, if you, you're paying to go somewhere to lift heavy objects and put them down. And when you think about it, when you're not in that world and you're looking at the outside, you're like, this is retarded. Like, why does anyone do that? But once you get the bug for it, obviously like you have, I have, um, you can then fully understand. But from the outside, I can understand why people don't get into that and why they find it a bit weird. Uh, completely understand that. Yeah, definitely. And I think everyone thinks nowadays that like, that is the way, that's how you have to like get in shape is go to the gym when it's really not. There's so many other ways, like you said, just be active. 100%. Well, um, in terms of like training mistakes women make, what's the biggest mistake do you think they make specifically, maybe like with exercise execution or like selection of exercises? Is there anything you see which is a common trait? I think a lot of them will just do cardio and not lift weights. <laughs> or, and, or miss out on doing that like compound yeah. movement. Like I think a lot of them I like, see go in and they're doing the kickbacks and they're doing all these like really isolated exercises yeah that they've seen on instagram which yeah like you know you are working your glute but i know i think for really if you really want to kind of change the shape of your body i think compound movements are really important and yeah and i think that girls can just be afraid to go in the weight section and lift weights because they think they're going to get manly or whatever yeah so I think that's the biggest one that I know of, that I've heard of. I think that's um, the saying I always like, which I think is probably very true, that um, women need to lift like men, so need to lift heavier, and the men need to lift like women and lift lighter with more control. Yeah, that's so true. <laughs> I haven't heard that before. Um, so that like, that, like that's a very common thing. I think I think women are too afraid to maybe push themselves a little bit in that respect, and like obviously intensity in training is a skill that you learn and obviously you, you will have learned that is there anything in particular where, like where you learn that with training it with anyone in particular or like train with anyone in particular yeah anyone in particular you train with you were like jesus like this is like another level or when i i used to train like with michael reed obviously you know mike um, yeah and he taught me a lot when it comes to actually like, physically training i learned so much from him but yeah, and then to be fair, actually doing CrossFit kind of has shown me that you can like push yourself um, to the limits because some of the workouts are really hard. Um, so I, th- I would say Mike and actually doing CrossFit has helped. It's good. Shout, shout out to Mike uh, for that one there. Um, yeah. Now, like in terms of yourself, Holly, and like diet and nutrition, is there anything that you think you've learned like massively that's a real take home point for anyone that they might not be aware of or like you've learned in the last few years, which has completely changed the way you look at food or your relationship with food. Yeah. I've learned under eating is probably like the worst thing you can do. Um, I think one of my preps, I did that and my hormones went out of sync and it took me ages to get everything back on track. Um, and everything just stops working. Like it's supposed to, how it's supposed to when you're under eating. Um, so I think that, I think to not under eat and just not be afraid of food. Like, it's, it, yeah, I, I would say just that really. Don't be afraid to eat. 
Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. And um, in terms of like your your diet and nutrition, so like when you're competing on now, what would like a typical day look like? How would you sort of structure that? Is there any like particular way you look to try and like keep your meals around training or? Um, yeah, so I do try to keep most of my calories are like around my training. I, for me, I think everyone's different, but for me, I can train quite easily fasted in the morning yeah. and then I'll have quite a lot, big chunk of my calories after that. And then I, especially when I go on prep, I struggle with sleep. So I actually save some of my like carbs towards the end of the day. And I've ten, I found that that helped me have a better sleep. Um, so yeah, morning and like before bed is where I would have like most of my calories. And then in the day, I'd kind of keep it a bit light. And the reason for anyone who's listening who, I don't know, Holly knows the answer to this, the reason why like carbohydrates work so well before bed or in the evening to help with sleeping is because it releases the hormone leptin. So like, you know, when you have like massive Christmas lunch or something like that, you just want to pass out on the sofa. Uh, that would be part of the reason why. So um, if you do struggle with sleep, that's a very good tactic to use, to be fair. Um, and that's something I think is quite common. I think when people get very low body fat is their body gets a bit out of whack and you almost don't want to sleep and you're just, you're almost a bit wide on adrenaline, I think it feels like. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. And you can't just switch up. Like for me, I couldn't just switch off because I was constantly thinking of like the next day and like everything I had to do for the next day. It's sometimes controlling, being able to switch your mind off almost. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Which I think is easier said than done. I think sometimes maybe technology and social media and all those things don't necessarily help because you end up like your brain gets massively overstimulated because you're looking at like constant like uh, interaction for people all the time with messages or whatever. I don't think that necessarily probably helps So like, a lot of people end up staring to the like bright white iPhone screens before trying to go to sleep, and then they wonder why they can't sleep. Yeah, and that's and it's really hard to get out of that actually because now like I try and make a point of it gets to, like certain time in the evening like to dim every single light in the house and like just have <laughs> low lights. But yeah, it's it's such a hard habit to get out of. Yeah, it's, it's easier said than done, but I think it's again, I think it's just controlling that. I think as well, even in terms of controlling when people can message you and like chase you about stuff is sometimes I'm a big fan of putting my phone on airplane mode when I go to sleep because the last thing I want to do is like wake up in the night and look at what the time is and you see like an email about something and my brain's off like a million miles an hour and I can't sleep. Uh, yeah, I do. So I think like that again, like there's a couple of low hanging fruit. I think a lot of people don't look at it. Obviously we mentioned that people tend to go for calories, but I think in terms of like sleep is a big one. And the other one is digestion which I think is often like overlooked. Um, you find digestion for you wasn't a problem on prep? Was there any like tactics or tips you've, you've found helped you with that over the years? Like if you were doing carb loading and anything like that to keep your stomach from bloating? Oh, my stomach's the worst. Like it bloats on like, anything. Um, well, to be fair, I think, I don't know if it's just a female thing, but I even still struggle now to this day, but I think it's trying to find out what really triggers it for you like for me i can't have too many artificial sweeteners okay. on prep and obviously like that's what a lot of people live off on prep like diet coke um, and, uh, chewing gum and stuff like that yeah and like the walden farms like the, you yeah, know, yeah. That's, that, that i find literally just like destroys my digestive system 
same. So um, I think like a week before comp, I like cut them all out or even two weeks sometimes. I cut them all out. Um, and I like... I do have actually looked into it more and like and now I take like probiotics for digestion and digestive enzymes and stuff like that and they have actually really helped but yeah I think it's just finding what kind of sets it off for you everyone's different yeah yeah it's funny I was at a seminar last weekend and like they were talking about like the gut microbiome and they basically still don't really understand how it works and because every person is so individual and different it's almost impossible for them to nail down what triggers certain things to happen. So it's very much down, I think, to the individual to listen to their own feedback of how they feel, what sits well with them and what doesn't, and then probably yeah. go. Yeah, and I've only realized that from my last prep just gone um, in November, that's when, and that took me five years, four years to realize it was that. So, um, but Was it probably like a, a bit of a, like you were kicking yourself moment and you were like, oh, like you suddenly like your eyes are open. It seems really obvious when like you've clocked onto what the problem was. But yeah. It was just oblivious to it. Yeah. I think I was in denial because I didn't want to give them up. <laughs> I didn't want to like not have the sweetener. So I kept telling myself, oh no, it's not that, it's not that. And then I was like, okay, now I'm going to try, cut it out and see if it helps. And it did. Yeah. And the proof's in the pudding then. Mm. So obviously we're um we're coming up to Christmas now, Holly. So obviously uh, for any women out there who want to stay in shape and not go too overboard, to finish up the podcast, what would be your one big tip? Try and enjoy Christmas, but not go overboard and have a real issue to deal with in January. <laughs> I think for me, I think of it as calories, like what what it is, calories in versus calories out. Like if I'm going to be eating more, I'm going to be drinking more. I make sure that I'm more active yeah. with that. So I don't know, just, yeah, like even going on long walks on like Christmas day, I know that I always make a point on, I, I know I'm going to be eating a lot and drinking a lot that day. I make a point of going on a long walk um, and just trying to just be a bit more active throughout the Christmas period so that I don't do too much yeah. damage. I think it's um, as long as you keep training as you said, to keep active. There's no reason why you can't enjoy yourself. Yeah, I feel like don't try to be restrictive. Like Christmas is a time to enjoy yourself, <laughs> but just be conscious of like what you're eating and what you're drinking, and then just make a point of just doing, just being more active. Yeah, I think it's um, being mindful. I think is probably the word. Yeah, definitely. Um, like I've, I've got fortunate enough, obviously Mike, you spoke about uh, briefly earlier on. So he's coming around to mine for Christmas and we're going to, we have the world record attempt to throw a Rosha eating in a minute. So <laughs> have you got anything uh, bizarre you're doing Christmas day? No, but now that he's going to throw a Rosha eating competition, if you want and, um, and uh, film it and you can, you can join in. Yeah. I'm actually, I was thinking about this last night because obviously we spoke about it and, um, I think I can, because what's the world record? Eight. I think seven's a current seven. record. You get eight, but you have to unwrap them and you have to eat one at a time. Like you can't put like five in your mouth in one go. You can't have them set unwrapped, ready to go. Yeah, you unwrap them and eat them one at a time. But I reckon <sighs> I could do at least seven. Oh, same. I feel like I, I'm just really competitive. But I, was, I will want to try. <laughs> I, I'm, I am going to do it. Me and Mike are going to do it. And we're going to film it. So... Maybe I'll do it. So I'll record do myself. Attempt, doing. We can we can all do it and see. 
CJ <laughs> coaching for a Rocha eating champion. I'll get everyone else. <laughs> yeah. I'll be up for that. But other than that, no, I think we just play like games with family and yeah. just standard stuff, really. And time together. Yeah. It's good to hear. Well, what we'll do, we'll uh, wrap up the podcast there, Holly. So thank you so much. For anyone who obviously doesn't know who you are and wants to get in touch, uh, what's your Instagram, like, any other social media contacts? Um, my Instagram is holly underscore howie underscore fitness. That's probably the best thing to go on. Awesome. And for, as I mentioned, obviously, earlier in the podcast, so Holly will be working with us at CJ Coaching. So if anyone uh, is interested in working with her, reach out to us. And I'm sure she'll be on board for transforming thousands of women's lives in 2020, which is scary <laughs> to sound, which is only now two and a half weeks away. So, uh, oh my God. Is the, do you know what is scary? It's the next decade. Yeah, I know. It makes me anxious. I can't even speak about it. <laughs> so, moving on for that. I'm 30 in like 10 days now, so that's even more terrifying. So, No, you're not. Um, don't say it like that. I probably look about 40. I've aged a lot in the last year. It's been a no, bit- you don't. That's why I was saying it. <laughs> um, so we'll wrap that there. So thank you so much, Holly, for coming on. I'm sure we'll have plenty more content uh, coming up for you soon. Thank you. Thanks for having me.